Hey girls, welcome to the Go Girl Podcast because women are powerful. I'm your host, Ashley Caprice. Each episode is about self-love, self-care, and self-discovery. Tune in for affirmations, motivation, girl talk, and girl power. Now let's get it started. Go girl. Hey girls, welcome back to another episode of the Go Girl Podcast. Today we are talking about one of my favorite subjects, food, but not in the best way. Okay. I know we all love food, but how about I'll let you know that food can affect your mental health. Yeah. And some of us, including myself, gained the quarantine 15. So we are going to talk about emotional eating. All right. Because I know I was not the only one grabbing more chocolate and sweets during the pandemic, which we're still in. Some people wanted to drink a little bit more wine and gained a little weight that way. So we're going to talk about the pandemic weight and how to give yourself some grace and some compassion towards your new body and towards the way you were eating while on lockdown. So I'm excited to have Tamara Samuels on the show today. She has her master's in clinical nutrition from NYU and is a national board certified health and wellness coach. Okay, Her work in private practice includes treatment of disordered eating, stress management, PCOS, and sustainable weight loss. She is the co-founder of Kalina Health, so I cannot wait till you hear what she has to say about eating eating all right we're all about having a healthier relationship with yourself and others on this podcast so how is your relationship with food let's get into it with some girl talk i am so excited to have tamar samuels on the go girl podcast she is a registered dietitian a nutritionist a health and wellness coach and co-founder of kalina health welcome to the go girl podcast Hey, Ashley, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to to be here. Of course. So I want to just get right into it. Like, I feel like food is so important to a lot of us. Like, we love food, okay? And (laughs) (laughs) we just had a, a whole pandemic. And I'm sure like a lot of people gained that pandemic weight and whatnot. But it's also because we were stressed and we didn't know what was going on. There was anxiety, like there was so much happening around the world. And so there were like a lot of emotional triggers. Can we talk about some emotional triggers and how to really control it? Yeah, you know, I think this is such a huge topic because I think coming, I mean, the pandemic is still happening, but um, now that people are socializing more um, and kind of returning to some new normal, I think there is a lot of guilt that's coming up that I'm Mm. hearing from people around that weight gain. And I think so before we even talk about managing those triggers, I think the first step is really to just give yourself a little bit of grace. Grace. It's been a hard couple year, year and a half, right? Yeah. Um, You know, it's, it's okay to lean on food for comfort. Food plays many roles in our lives. Um, It's not just about fuel. It's about, you know, we have, we have these emotional connections with food. They've, food makes us feel happy and and we lean on food for comfort in moments where things are just really hard and there really isn't anything wrong with that it's really human nature it's part of our physiology <laughs> but the problem i think becomes is when you know we exclusively lean on food for comfort right and so i think first things first let's let go of the any guilt and shame around you know gaining the 
what are they calling it? The pandemic 15. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> let's, let's let go of any guilt and shame around, around the pandemic 15 and know that this has been an extraordinary time for us all. And, you know, we just gotta, gotta keep it moving and learn from our experiences and just move forward. Right. And so if your right. goal is to really change up that habit of emotional eating, letting go of the guilt is the first step. I think the second step is really thinking about what your needs are. You know, mm-hmm. I tell, I talk to my clients about this a lot, right? So in these moments when you're leaning on food, what is it that you need, right? Do you need companionship? Do you need joy or excitement? Because mm-hmm. um, maybe you're doing boredom eating, right? right? Do you need rest? Maybe you're tired, right? When we talk about emotional mm-hmm. eating, there's lots of different emotions or spectrum of emotions here. So really identifying what is that emotional need that you're trying to fill with food and then thinking about how you can work on meeting that need without food, right? Right. So if you find that, you know, during the pandemic, you were just really bored and (laughs) were eating out of excitement and joy, right? Um, How can we find excitement and joy in our life that isn't food? What are some things that spark us up, right? So I've been working with people on this a lot. Maybe it is they're, they're bored because they're not being stimulated intellectually. Okay, so why don't we try to find, you know, a virtual mm-hmm. class that you could take that is exciting and interesting that um, will meet that need for you where food has been filling in that need. So that's a huge tip that I think works really well with people and just really identifying what is what it is that they truly need and figuring out a non-food related way to manage that trigger. Wow, that's so good, especially like um, a lot of people probably felt alone during a pandemic. So they're missing that companionship, that connection. So instead, they'll grab their ice cream or their chocolate or whatever it is to make them feel good in that moment. And there's easy access, like the refrigerator is in the next room, you know, especially for a lot of people working from home. And they're like, okay, well, let me just get up and get something. We have access to all of our favorite snacks right in the other room tomorrow. Like uh-huh. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> it's so easy. It's so easy. But you could also just text a friend, right? So if you're feeling mm. lonely, that's a good time to really reflect and say, you know what? I'm not hungry right now. I actually just like need some support. And even though I can't be with my friends at this moment because of social distancing, I can call them. So utilizing your tools and the other things that are easily accessible to you is really important. You know, if they're not around writing them a letter, right? Yeah, like that's sweet. You a nice long email. This is what I'm thinking about uh, right now. Oh, that's sweet. I like that. Go back to the old school. Okay. Write a letter. <laughs> not a yeah. text a letter. And how many times, probably more often than not, do we just need maybe like a sip of water thinking that we're hungry and getting that comfort food? Sometimes it's like, just, you know, quench your thirst, sis. Yes, exactly. So that's another really great tip that I that I recommend all the time is just give yourself some space between that response, right? Mm-hmm. So if you normally gravitate towards food um, to help soothe your emotions, give yourself five minutes and say, you can still eat that food, but I'm going to get up, wash my face, go to the bathroom. So delay that stimulus response, right? Sadness, loneliness, that emotion comes up and then we react immediately with eating, going to the fridge. Give yourself five minutes to delay that reaction and you'll find that you're much more likely to self-regulate and not gravitate towards the food. So sipping water, even just like 
looking outside, <laughs> you know, yeah. seeing what's going outside in your window, um, petting your dog, right? All of these little things can mm-hmm. spark this sense of mindfulness for us. So we're more present and aware of what we want and what we need in the moment. I want to ask you, what as a dietitian, what is your comfort food and what do you do maybe instead of grabbing your comfort food? Oh, it's so funny. I guess I would say my comfort food yesterday I had pizza. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like tired. I had my baby. Yeah. <laughs> my, dog, my husband's out of town and I was mm-hmm. like doing solo childcare. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a pizza. And I think I actually had thought about it for a while. So I was craving pizza all week. Okay. And I was like, you know, I don't feel so great when I eat pizza. I get heartburn. Like it's less about my weight. It's because, you know, one slice of pizza isn't, isn't going to make a big difference if, you know, 80, 90% of the time I'm eating a whole foods based diet that supports my health. I'm not worried about it from a weight perspective, but I don't feel great when I have pizza. <laughs> it <laughs> makes me tired. I get heartburn. And so I really thought about it. I thought about do I want this? I'm already tired. My baby is teething. Is this a good time? Right. You know, I gave myself the space to really think about whether or not it was worth it. And I, I sat on it for a couple of days and I decided that it was absolutely worth it. And I got the pizza. Needless to say, I you know, had heartburn this morning and <laughs> I'm paying for it. But yeah. it was an intentional decision. And I think that's an important thing to think about too, right? When you have these cravings, um, it's okay but give yourself some space to really like sit with the cravings and, and think about how important it is to you. Will having this food do more harm than good? Mm-hmm. For me, it, it did. It was worth it. It was very satisfying. So I needed that, that satisfaction in the moment and I have no regrets. Yeah. I mean, you were sitting on that thought for a couple of days, so that's good. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that's true. Like if you're having a craving, I feel like it's best to satisfy that craving. Like you said, give your space, give yourself some space first. But satisfy that craving and then you're like, okay, if I still want this, then maybe I should satisfy it. Because otherwise, sometimes if you push the craving to the side, is it true that at some point you'll overindulge in that meal or, you know, similar foods? Absolutely. So nine times out of 10, when we restrict ourselves too much, um, you know, everybody's threshold is different. But when we overly restrict, we overdo it. That can really promote binge eating and overeating. And then we don't actually enjoy the food. You know, when we're overeating this food, we can't really enjoy it because afterward we feel really sick. And then that's when the guilt and shame spiral really starts to happen. So, you know, honor your cravings. But I always say when you're craving something and you want to honor that craving, make sure you do it when you're in a good headspace, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're super stressed and overwhelmed and tired, again, you're not going to really be able to enjoy that food. So cravings are about... Um, you know, things that you really want that you want to be able to enjoy. And if you can't enjoy it, then what's the point of having it, you know? So make sure you're setting your environment up where you can enjoy that craving if if, if you decide to indulge. Also, though, I would say if I'm stressing and tired, would I really want to go grab something healthy and a good salad? And am, am I really going to think hard about like, oh, I shouldn't get this food? Now, I, I think it's great And a lot of people are, you know, being more intentional in life, which is beautiful. But sometimes we do have those moments. Like, so do we just give in in that moment? And then we just feel bad afterwards. I mean, we probably shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Because, like, like, honestly, if I'm, like, stressed and I'm like, I don't want a salad right now. Give me a 
big, fat, juicy burger or something, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Ashley, you know, that is such a good point. And that's why it's so important for us to be prepared, right? So I think that when we're hungry, we're more likely to succumb to those cravings that maybe are, are not supportive of us. So that's why I really work with my clients and making sure that we're having frequent meals throughout the day, right? And preventing hunger is so important for preventing overeating, emotional eating, binge eating. It's really uh, the cornerstone, right? So we want to make sure that we are having, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, one to two snacks a day. And each meal and snack really contains things that make us feel full. So like protein, for example, is really important for satiety. So making sure all of our meals and snacks have protein and fiber is really important for satiety. We get fiber from fruits, vegetables, 100% whole grains, the skins of starchy vegetables like potatoes. So if we're having a diet that's rich in fiber and protein, and we're eating consistently throughout the day, when we have those moments of stress, we are more likely to make a better decision. We're more likely to lean on that salad because we're not starving. We're able to use our brains better um, because we're fueled appropriately. By setting yourself up and and being prepared in that way, um, you're less likely to have those moments of stress and succumb to more emotional eating in in the moment. Although, you know, that's almost unavoidable. It's going to come up if you're satiated and not hungry you'll be able to manage it a little bit better. Well, let's talk about that because you said, you know, you're able to use your your brain a little better when you're not as hungry or whatnot. Let's talk about like the mental health aspect of it all and how like what we're putting into our bodies and what foods we're eating or not eating can affect our mental health. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this topic is so interesting. And while the research is still up and coming, we have a little bit to learn. We do know a lot about mental health and nutrition. And I think the thing that I work with clients on the most is this hunger thing. Like, I'm sure you've all heard of hangry, yeah. <laughs> right? Like that. Like, <laughs> That's like my middle name. I'm trying, I need to get better. I need to get better, but. <laughs> yes. Yes. I am like the hangriest person on the planet. If I don't eat, then I turn into a Jekyll and Hyde situation. My husband is like, who are you? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's literally like the Snickers commercial. Like you're not yourself when you're hungry. And I'm, I'm telling you, anyone around me during that time, they know they're like, what? you need some food. And I'm like, you're, you're yes. absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. So you can see how um, nutrition really impacts our mood. Right. And so that hangry feeling is coming from low blood sugar right? So we don't have glucose is the primary fuel source for our brains. We get glucose from carbohydrates. Um, Carbohydrates are found in many foods, not just things that we typically think of as carbs, like breads and grains. Carbs are also found in vegetables and fruit and even dairy products. Um, So we don't need to just carb load in order for us to be in a good mood. <laughs> but You're like, oh, um, did you say bread? We could eat some bread. <laughs> like, yeah, you want to be happy, eat some bread. <laughs> right. Not what she's saying. <laughs> yeah, it's not what I'm saying. You can eat some uh, an apple and that'll make you happy right. too. Um but I, when our blood sugar is low, it impacts several things. It can cause anxiety um in the sense that low blood sugar triggers an increase in cortisol and cortisol is one of our fight or flight stress hormones, which can make us feel anxious physiologically and also mentally. So we have rapid heart rate, our um, breathing rate increases, we get the shakes, right? So this is all resulting from low blood sugar. 
So that is a sort of direct connection between mood and food. And also um, carbohydrates help to stimulate serotonin production in our brain as well. Serotonin is a neurotransmitter that helps us to feel happy. So it's important for us to have regulated blood sugar levels in order to support our mood. So there's a very strong connection there with blood sugar and mental health. You know, there's also some interesting research on omega-3 fatty acids, such as DHA and mental health. You know, that's why I, I just had a baby and we, as pregnant women, take more DHA to support um, brain health for our growing babies. And so DHA is really important for brain health as well. There's other B vitamins, B12, um, is also really helpful for supporting brain health as well. So there's definitely a connection from a physiological perspective and also from a mood perspective too. So I always say you are what you eat, right? The food that we eat really supports all of the cells in our body, mm. including our most demanding organ from an energy perspective, which is our brain. Our brain requires more calories than any other organ in our bodies. And so the food that we eat really supports our brain health, um, you know, which impacts our nervous system and our mood. That makes sense. (laughs) Like that Mm -hmm. makes sense. I I, I feel like I can feel sometimes like I need some vegetables. I need some vegetables because I feel like I'm just not in a good mood or whatever. I could do everything else. Like, okay, maybe I'm working out, meditating, praying, all that, but like still something in my body, I need some vegetables. And usually, you know, people are like, oh, I want some French fries, but no, like if I could feel that I need vegetables, then obviously like there's a deficiency somewhere and it's going to affect my brain and affect my mood overall. So that's really good to know like that, that correlation of all of it. So ladies, eat better. <laughs> like she said, you know how she eat. <laughs> if you're hungry, make sure you get some vegetables. Yeah, get some vegetables. <laughs> there was this quote on your page, the Instagram quote, it says, if your diet, nutrition goals, and eating plan is at the forefront of your mind at all times, it's not sustainable. Choose a wellness path you can walk and still enjoy your life. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? And how can people figure out what path is good for them? Oh, yes. I mean, I have so many clients who are like, I tried this diet and I couldn't go out to eat. I couldn't see my friends. You know, yeah. I had to sacrifice my life in order for me to do this. And I was unhappy. Maybe I was thinner, but it was a horrible existence. Right. I wasn't having any fun. And so often, you know, what we're eating, what we should eat or shouldn't eat really consumes so much space in our brain. And that's a huge Mm. problem, right? I think that means that our meal plan is giving us anxiety, right? Like if we're Mm. constantly trying to think about this, um, then there's a problem there. The reality is that anytime we make change, the beginning is going to be hard and it's going to require more thought and time. But the goal is over time, it won't, right? It won't be as difficult. It'll be sustainable, something we can integrate into our lives very seamlessly. And so, you know, there's so many plans out there that completely eliminate this, or you have to count this many things for the week. And the reality is like, for most people, that's not sustainable. It's not something that you can do seamlessly and integrate into your life. You know, like mm-hmm. if you're doing a very, very low carbohydrate restricted diet, um, then it's gonna be hard for you to go out to eat 
if you're going to a potluck and you have absolutely no control of what you're eating, right? Um, you're going to have to make sure you bring your own food. And, and maybe that's okay in the short term, but not in the long term. It's probably not the best plan for you. So I think it's really important for people to think about, okay, is this change going to be a change that I can sustain mm-hmm. that I'm happy to work on sustaining in the long term? And if it's not, then we need to find something else. And it's about yeah, changing your lifestyle and, and making it a habit. Like you said in the beginning, it's kind of rough, but then it becomes a habit for you. So what do you think about like diets and detoxes and challenges? Before you answer that, I'll share that I, you know, January, everyone wants to go on a diet or do something. So I eat a lot of sugar <laughs> and uh-huh. I, I, I won't claim that I used to eat a lot of sugar. And then in January, okay. I did like 21 days, no sugar, no chocolate, because I'm like a chocoholic. And then so for a couple of days, it was a little rough, but then it got easier. And now I realize the effect it has on my body. Like when I eat chocolate, sometimes I can feel what it's doing to my body. I'm like, oh, this doesn't really feel good. So maybe I shouldn't do this as much, you know, and it's gone to maybe eating chocolate, maybe once or twice a week rather than every single day. So that 21 day detox or whatever it was, did help me in a way, but overall, are those good to do if someone's looking for a, a, a lifestyle change or a habit, the challenges in the diets? Such a good question. And the answer to that is it depends on the detox and the challenge and it mm-hmm. depends on the person, right? True. For some people, that restriction can cause like major response, over response in overeating or, you know, overdoing it on that food. So it's very possible that Many other people did a sugar detox in January, and then in February, they ate more sugar than they have previously. So it just depends on the person. That being said, things like sugar, right? Sugar is addictive. And so sometimes we do need to completely eliminate it in order for us to reintroduce it in a more moderate and balanced way. For a lot of people, that does work. You actually retrain your taste buds. The same is true for sodium. Mm. So you know, let's say you have high blood pressure and you need to decrease your sodium intake, it can be easier to sort of just eliminate added salt and then slowly add it back into the diet in in smaller amounts because you have to retrain your taste buds. So it it just depends. I think anytime you're doing something with a group, I think it can be helpful. Like I think those challenges are cool because there's that accountability and support and mm-hmm. it feels like a community doing something together and we're all, we're all so much more powerful in numbers and accountability is so important for change but if you're doing a really restrictive plan the important thing is for you to have a plan to transition out of right mm. So making sure that you are, you know, so many people, for instance, will do Whole30 for January. And like, I think while the the concept of Whole30 is great and kind of eliminating inflammatory foods, the transition out of Whole30, and even Whole30 says this itself, they have a transition plan, right? Like transitioning out of Whole30 is the problem, right? It's, what is Whole30 for, for people who might not know? Sorry to, uh, sorry to interrupt. Oh, yeah. What is Whole30? Whole30 is um, a plan where people sort of eliminate inflammatory foods for 30 days. And I don't think it's necessary. And I don't think it's something that we all need to do. But it's a very popular kind of detox that people do in January. And it's just for 30 days, as many of these plans are, right? It's for a short period of time, 21 days, two weeks, one week, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's always like a time frame. And I think the problem with these diets and detoxes is there isn't a plan to transition out, right? That's really where the work is. So as mm-hmm. far as diets and detoxes are concerned, you should always have a plan to transition out. And that honestly, that plan should be done with a professional, like a registered dietitian. And any diet or detox that you do should be guided by a registered dietitian as well, if you have access to one. So it's always helpful to have a professional sort of guiding you through something. Because for example, if you have a medical condition, it might be necessary for you to eliminate certain foods, right? But again, when we overly restrict, um, we miss out on certain nutrients that are important and are found in exclusively found in certain food groups. So if you, if you guys aren't seeking support from a dietitian, mm-hmm. <laughs> try to find one. Um, She's Kalina like, Health. try me. I'm available. Yes. <laughs> Kalina Health. We, we have a team of registered dietitians and we take insurance and yes, we're telehealth exclusively. So hopefully we can help you. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in general, um, seeking the support from a registered dietitian can be really helpful for these. And there's actually a lot of diets and detoxes that are very dangerous that are not regulated, especially when we get into the supplement world and things like that. So, you know, I know we all eat. However, there are professionals within the nutrition space who can support you in navigating this crazy world that we're living mm-hmm. in with food. I like that you said we the the main focus should be like, how are we transitioning after the challenge or diet or whatever? I know with me, I did eat um, more grapes right after. So it's like I was satisfying mm-hmm. the sugar, but I wasn't eating chocolate. So I felt like I was doing myself a little service, a little justice there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. And so if I were working with you, Ashley, I would say, okay, you know, if you, if you want chocolate back in your life, that's okay. We can experiment and play around with it. So why don't we try to have an intentional chocolate meal once a week and see how that feels. And we can really monitor you and Mm -hmm. figure out, okay, does this make you jittery and anxious? Does this affect your sleep? Does this affect your mood? Let's collect data and information and be scientific and systematic about it. So we know how much chocolate you can have and still feel good physically and mentally, right? And really Mm -hmm. walk you through that process and then figure out what that threshold is for you. So you can find a happy balance with having chocolate chocolate in your life without overdoing it or, you know, it it having a negative impact on your, on your health. So I have a quick story to share when I get chocolate now, I'm like, maybe I'll just take a mini, you know, one of the mini chocolates or something, you know, anyway, this week (laughs) I'm at work and I thought I was going to do no sugar this week. I'm like, you know, you know, feeling my body. I'm like, "Ah, I need, I just probably need no sugar this week. Let me, you know, release. Right. I show up to work on Monday and there's a big bowl of all the mini chocolate candy that you could want, like the Twix, the <laughs> Snickers, the M&Ms. Then I'm trying to psych my mind out like, oh, maybe if I eat the peanut M&Ms, that's like protein. I'm telling myself, you know, like all these things. I got like five pieces of chocolate that day, three the next day, like two the next day kind of went down. But mm, it's so good. But it doesn't mean. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make me feel that good all the time, but it's so delicious. What can I do or anyone in that situation? What can they do when they are tempted though, by the foods around them? They're like, okay, I'm not, I'm going to stop eating this so much. What can we do? It might not be something physically that we can do. Just walk past it. Cause that obviously doesn't work, but what can we tell mm-hmm. ourselves 
And how can we, you know, really motivate ourselves? Yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, first of all, going back to what we were talking about earlier, make sure that you're not hungry. <laughs> so even if you have, <laughs> that's very true. You know, <laughs> yeah. So make sure you're not hungry. Have lunch first, and then give yourself Correct. permission to have the chocolate. Well, let me so say that's number this. One. <laughs> this is like the afternoon snack. So I eat my lunch around one. I'm there until six o'clock. So around three or four, if I see a big bowl of candy and it has like some protein in it, <laughs> the peanuts, and it's mm-hmm. like I might as well grab me some chocolate M Ms. Why not? <laughs> well, yeah, that's the problem. I think people get really vulnerable during that time between lunch and dinner because they're not having a high protein snack, right? So if you want the chocolate, have the chocolate, but why don't you have like an apple with some peanut butter first, or maybe a Greek okay. yogurt with some berries or some cheese and fruit, right? Have some grapes with some cheese, really mm. try and have a strategic snack between lunch and dinner that is filling. So you don't end up just overeating the candy and you can have the chocolate too I think the problem with the chocolate is if you're having it on an empty stomach Mm -hmm. that causes a a big shift in your blood sugar right so what happens is your stomach is empty this is a carbohydrate that does not have any fiber and barely any protein so it's rapidly metabolized so it goes into your bloodstream and strike uh, spikes your blood sugar pretty quickly right So then we get this like high, this like burst of energy, but our body wants to do something with that fuel. And so we release a hormone called insulin that helps us get that blood sugar from our blood into our cells. So then we have a low, right? So we get this high from the sugar and then we get this rapid low. That's the crash. That low is the crash, right? That's the fatigue. And then we lean on sugar to get the high back again. So it's really this vicious cycle, right? So if we have chocolate or sweets with something like protein, for instance, then we don't have this rapid increase in blood sugar and there and the resulting rapid decrease in blood sugar because protein takes a while to digest and metabolize. So we have more of a steady stream of glucose in our blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't get that, that crash. So that's why it's so important to have protein with your snack. Okay. All right. I'm going to do better. <laughs> Try it. Let me know how it goes. (laughs) But you know what? Those 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 few days that they had the chocolate, I had salads for lunch and I realized I didn't have any protein in my salad. Like, you know, so it was just, you know, the olives, the tomato, the cucumber and lettuce. And so I'm like craving more food. So that's very true. I could add a protein to my salad or I can have like a snack with protein like a couple hours later. I'm going to do better. This was just the first week. I refuse to go in there every single day and eat the chocolate. Like I'm stronger and better than that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Add the protein to your salad. You can even add like a healthy carbohydrate to your salad too. Like um, some beans or quinoa or rice, really sweet potato, right? Like you don't have to stay away from the carbs completely. Really just making sure that you have a balanced meal. Um, Non-starchy vegetables are really important, but so is protein and complex carbs are important too. Nice. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Um, One of the last (laughs) questions, what are some ways we can show ourselves some more love with the foods that we put in our, in our bodies? I'm all about self-love and self-care, self-discovery over here. What are some ways that we can show ourselves love with the foods that we put in our bodies? Yeah, I think that's such an important question because oftentimes when we're eating with emotions, it can sometimes be a punishment, right? Mm. Like we're like using food as 
punishment ultimately. Um, and so I think if we reframe our relationship with food, it can be a really positive thing, right? So we could think about how can we switch things up and really think about how food nourishes us and supports us. Yeah. You know, I talk to my clients about this all the time and going back to our conversation around, you know, the quarantine 15, right? Even though we ate and gained weight as a result yeah. of that to manage these difficult times, thank goodness we had food as a tool for us yes. to get through this, right? Otherwise, what would we have leaned on? You know, right. we're so lucky to have had food mm. to support us during that time. And so really like taking a step back and reframing it, the collateral damage, right? Like, okay, so maybe you gained 15 pounds during the pandemic. That is just a consequence of difficult situations. And 15 pounds is better than other alternatives that right. could have happened if we didn't have food. So really being able to appreciate food in different ways and, and the roles that it has in our lives. And then knowing that like food is flexible, like mm. we can make food work for us. It doesn't have to be a battle between you and food. We can really make food work, work for our goals by experimenting in the kitchen, thinking yeah. about ways that we can, you know, switch up our comfort foods, our unhealthy comfort foods and, and do healthy swaps and alternatives. And instead of saying, oh, well, I don't have time because I'm busy. I don't have time to cook. I don't have time to do that. Think about ways that you can outsource, you know, cooking or ways that you can make cooking easier, really getting creative. Um, so I think it's about being flexible. Um, that really helps us to kind of heal when it comes to our relationship with food. I like that. I like the what you said about like reframing how we're even talking about it, not making ourselves feel so guilty. Like, oh, my gosh, I gained 15. But like you said, you know, well, food was there for me during this rough time. You know what I mean? And and if it's 15 pounds or how much whatever weight you gained, if you like the new weight on you, beautiful, but you can always lose it if you don't, you know, so that's better than getting addicted to some other more harmful substances and whatnot. So it's like, you know, just leaning on that food, that comfort food during those tough times sometimes is important. And, and if it's available, then that's what we need it in that moment. And we got it. And, you know, we're still here, you know, we're still, it was a tough time and it got us through. So I love that you said, just, just change your language towards it. And that's anything in life, just changing your language towards even your body, you know, like if you gain the weight, you got the new stretch marks, whatever, like, mm, well, this body got me through a pandemic, you know, like I'm still healthy. I'm still standing. I'm still here. It's just so many things that you can say to yourself to make you feel much better about the foods that you're putting into your body. Don't be so hard on yourself, girls. Like you got this. We got this. We got this. It's hard being a woman. It sure, it really is. But, you know, I think about it in context of you know, having this baby, right? Like the stretch marks, I'm like, oh, I have these stretch marks. This is so annoying. I'm so mad. Mm. But like, these stretch marks are, you know, as a result of growing a human inside of me. Yes. Like, like, like this is my mark. These are my marks. These are my battle scars. You know, it hasn't yeah. been easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's beautiful. That like, perspective is important. And, and the fact that your body can just stretch to create this beautiful new blessing in your life, like that's remarkable. I just think women, I don't have children yet, but like women who like mothers are just so incredible. Like you created a whole human being like that's amazing, you know? So yes, definitely give yourself some grace and, you know, love those stretch marks and sell you like whatever it is, just loving your body. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So how can people reach you? 
So you guys can find me at um, Tamara Samuels RD on Instagram and at Kulina Health on Instagram. You can also find out more about Kulina Health and our services at KulinaHealth.com. Uh, we provide telenutrition counseling um, for a wide variety of people, shapes, colors, sizes, um, and also conditions. We also take insurance. So we try to be as accessible to people as possible. That's awesome. Yeah, she gives some great information on her social media. So be sure to follow. Um, Tamara, thank you so much for coming on the Go Girl podcast. Go Girl for everything that you're doing. Thank you for sharing some amazing like tips for us out there and to help us, you know, love ourselves better through even through the transition in the world and transition with our own bodies. So thank you. I appreciate you and go girl. Thank you, Ashley. It's so great connecting. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Go Girl podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And be sure to share this episode with your girlfriends. Connect with me on social media at Go Girl Movement or subscribe to the blog at www.gogirlmovement.org. By the way, have you purchased your copy of the Go Girl Guidebook, a woman's interactive guide to self-love? 10 chapters full of ways to love yourself better. It's available right now on Amazon. Thank you for your support. I love you and I'll talk to you next time. Go girl.